The content of this podcast, Swingin' It, is for informational and entertainment purposes only. The content discussed is not intended for investment advice nor a recommendation. Investing in any stock, security, bond, ETF, option contracts, or futures has substantial risk of loss. Chris McBride and John Burrell are not certified financial or investment advisors, nor are they registered brokers. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that neither Chris McBride or John Burrell will be held responsible for any loss that you may occur from acting on the topic or discussion in this podcast. These topics are not meant for recommendation. Chris McBride and John Burrell may hold positions in securities discussed in this podcast. to another edition of the Just Swing It podcast. I'm Chris McGrath. I'm joined by John Burrell. And, you know, we got a pretty good show for you today. It's going to be on some information that, you know, if you're a new investor or new trader, you probably don't know too much about. You may have heard um, and talked about, but you probably don't know that much about because even myself, I don't know much about it, you know, um, but I should. And it's something that everyone should um, know a little bit more about. But we'll get to that in a second. How's it going, John? Doing pretty good. Uh, just working some long days at work, but uh, still trying to trade the markets and still, um, you know, trying to get outside a little bit. But uh, it's dark by the time I get home. So we had a pretty nice day today, but didn't get to really enjoy it. So hopefully, um, you know, that moves on. But, um, you know, something you mentioned to me, uh, something about the uh, planets align or something. But another thing is that um, the time in the evenings are going to get longer as we go forward instead of um, instead of shorter so we're going to add a little bit of extra daylight at the end of each evening from here on out to the time changes so that's the good news yep what john's mentioning is on um, today's the winter solstice which is the shortest day of the year so we we've gone going down in time during the day and from here on out days will start getting longer now that won't be at any quick pace Another thing John mentioned is today is like, it's called the Great Convergence, which is basically where Saturn and Jupiter's orbit like cross paths. And this happens every 20 years. But tonight is the closest they've been since like the 1200s or something. So 800 years, this is the closest they've ever been. And you should be able to see it if you look in the Southwest, the closer you are to the equator, the better. But even in the United States, you can see it. And if you have a telescope, you can definitely See, but it basically it'll look like um, Jupiter and Saturn's one planet. So it'll look like a humongous star. And even if you miss it, I know people's listen to this um, tomorrow, the day after it happens, but um, you'll be able to see it the same all the way through Christmas, I think, as it starts to move apart. So that's pretty cool. It's actually too cloudy in Virginia. We looked, we can't see it tonight. So we might try again tomorrow, but that's something pretty cool. In my opinion, whether you're into astrology or space stuff or not, if someone says this happens only every 20 years and this is the first time in 800 years, that means you at least go attempt to look at it. Right. You may be like, oh, yeah, I don't really care. But if you don't, it's like, what the hell, what the hell are you doing? 
But uh, John mentioned the market. Did you, did you trade any today? Did you see see what went on in today? Yeah, today. Uh, well, first I'll start with last night. So last night, um, futures opened um, down pretty big, um, and then they uh, recouped a little bit, and they shot up. And I was pretty active around midnight. They shot up, and it looked like it was going to be bullish. And I was about to buy. Um, some contracts, and I'm glad I didn't. The market shot way down, and it just continued to fall. I'm looking at my screen now. Pretty nasty dip uh, before the market opened, and when the market opened, you know, it, it was down quite a bit, and it, I think it fell a little bit further into the open, but then we just recovered all day. Um, I looked at my phone a couple times uh, on the way to the restroom, you know, and uh, seeing that things were going back up, and um, I actually went long going into the close, um, but it sold back off from where I got long. So I'm down about 130 bucks, something like that, on um, a MES contract. But uh, I think I'm going to hop back in here in a minute. Uh, but it's been pretty wild. Uh, the volatility, you know, just shot up and then it seemed like it tried to, uh, you know, jump back. So it's kind of weird what we're seeing right now. Yeah, you should have just bought it last night when you said that. So like John said, I think it dropped down 70, 80, 90 handles this morning. And then at one point, I think we were up. We were up 10 or 15 handles. And then right at the close, it kind of sold off a little bit. But for the so, most part, everything that we lost, we got back. So if I would have bought at 1 o'clock, we're still lower than where we were at at 1 a.m. this morning. Oh, really? So at one point... At one point today, we were green, so it can't be too much lower. Well, um, we were up like ten. We were up like ten or fifteen, like ticks, I think. I think we closed down thirty. So um, nobody can hear you from over there. Can you hear now? Barely. Okay, I'll come back a little. So apparently, John has set him up a a fifth computer across the room from his other four computers. And he is currently trying to look at the MES. Okay, so 30, we were at 30. Um, we, we were at 37.08 at about 1 a.m. this morning. And right now we are... Thirty-six eighty-six. Oh, so you're still quite a bit down. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't get in. I didn't buy at one a.m. I was about to, and then we had a sell off, and I was like, "Well, I'll just wait." And then it sold way off. Huh? Where did you buy it? I bought uh, near the close uh, today at a. Hang on a little. John's trying to figure out where he bought it, but he's down $130. So um, I bought around 2 p.m. Yeah, what's the number? So you bought it probably the worst time. Well, no, I bought it a pretty, pretty good time. Close. I was up um, $400 um, at three, at about three, but then it sold back off right before yeah, that. Yeah, you should have sold and took that $400. $400 is a lot of money. I know a lot of people. 
if you, if you got if you're like the stock pair and you got eight hundred thousand dollars in your account, four hundred ain't much. But at, when you're first building your account up, you know, four hundred dollar win, you can do a lot with four hundred dollars. Yeah, I, I was shooting for six, but yeah, John already John with John being at work, he already had his um, profit target probably set and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I had I had my stop and my and my exit set. It's pretty wide. Um, and I knew it wasn't going to get there uh, before the close, but I, by the time I looked at it, I seen where I was up 400, but I, I didn't see it in real time to close it. So, yeah, so you'll probably get that back tomorrow. I think tomorrow will be a similar whether we start red or not. I think it'll probably do about what it's been doing. Kind yeah, of as, as we're sitting right now, I'm down 130, I think. So it's a it's a pretty large position. It's larger than I should have went, but I felt pretty good about it. Yeah. Um, again, if you if you listen to our um, last show, um, we had an interview with um, the stock news guy or finance news guy or hot girl capital management. You have to listen to the show to figure out what that means. But um, it was a good interview. If you haven't listened to that yet, go ahead and listen to it. But you know, I've you know, there's not many people who said this, and I know we were one of them, was that the Tesla inclusion to the S&P 500 today would be a non-event that it was already built in last week, and Tesla pretty much had sold off some, and I think it ended up still being down, but I mean, it recovered a little bit, but all the premium got ripped out of Tesla today, so it's like, I mean, it's exactly what happened. Everyone who was playing the up move on Tesla played it at the beginning of last week and then it kind of nothing happened while you know basically all the you know banks and I don't know what you call it, rating people basically said Tesla was going to fly but it was pretty much it it's one of the things that we talk about all the time on here if you know about it everyone else knows about it so you know it's not it's nothing new so you can't just play expecting stuff like that to happen yeah um but there's there's one more news that kind of hit right at the end of the day um, today, John, and it kind of has to do with Tesla. But as of September 2021, Apple will be producing its own electric vehicle. What? Yeah, so Apple. And, you know, it's one of the things. Tesla's, I, again, in the future, I think Tesla's going to be a big company because they're going to be in all kinds of stuff. But you know, and I don't think Apple vehicles will affect them too much. But if we start talking about Nikola or Workhorse or Neo, who would you rather have, Neo or Apple, creating um, your equipment? Yeah. Just I mean, imagine. Just imagine if somehow they could work out, um, you know, all their competition issues, and Amazon and Apple created an electric vehicle together. I feel like Neo is going to go to zero, and I feel like. Neo, Apple. no, Nicola's going to go to zero. Oh, Nicola, that's Neo's the, not going to zero. No, no, I don't. I don't even know who Neo is. I don't follow. Neo, so Neo's actually pretty good. So Neo's the Chinese version of Tesla, basically. Oh they, yeah, that's right. I know who they, they were. Actually, yeah. they were like twenty five dollars, and then you know their earnings beat was so good. They're about they're they went up to about fifty, and then they kind of did a stock sale at the same time Tesla did drop to about forty two, and I think it had a good day all the way back up to forty eight today. Neo's actually pretty – Neo, there's probably room to make money on on Neo still, to be honest. Yeah, Nikola's going to zero, most likely. Neo, I don't know any – I don't know anything really about it other so, than it's the Chinese version of Tesla. 
about um, Nicola, um, Tim Knight, is that, that's his name, right? The dude from Tasty Work. Tasty Trades, the guy that's – Oh, like, yeah, the technical super analysis dude. Yeah. yeah he, on yeah. his little, like, 30-minute thing right before um, Tom and Tony came back on for the close, he was – he pulled up the – he was talking about Tesla, but then he pulled up the Nicola chart. Apparently, 16 is kind of the, the you know, last – um, support for Nicola that if it breaks 16, it, it may be go down, it may go down to like 10 or so. I don't know about zero. It's 52 week high, um, lows on is 11. So, I mean, it's everyone looked as a new company, but I don't think it's like a super like, you know. So, you're talking about Tim Knight. I want to um, shout something out that's a good watch um, on Tasty um, Trades um, documentary series. It talks about his company that he started and all of the things that he went through. And um, his company was called Profit. It sold out to um, a company that TD Ameritrade Elite, um, uh, Thinkorswim eventually bought. And then Thinkorswim sold out to TD Ameritrade. Uh, and that's how Tom Sosnoff knows Tim Knight because he bought out Tim Knight's um company through another acquisition but it's a really good story so go check that out yeah and um tim knight he basically does technical analysis if you want to watch his show it comes on about 3 p.m eastern time and basically he just runs through a bunch of charts that look that you know of tickers that have done well or bad that day or like big name tickers and they'll just like look at the charts and kind of point that out he he's a but i will say he's like a super 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 contrarian so i mean hey, you don't he have to made, dig with his commentary on it but he made a ton of money this year a yeah, ton. I mean, everyone made a ton of money this year bulls made tons of money bears made tons of money no i mean i mean he made tons of yeah money. i understand that i'm telling you there's going to be bulls who made also tons of money what do you consider a ton of money? I don't know. If you made millions of dollars, it's, to me, it's a ton of money. Well, I mean, on a percent basis, he made he made something like 400% this year. Well, I don't know about that, but... Because uh, when things were crashing, he was like super... Yeah, so angry. he basically... Yeah, so what what happened was he was all... he's Where he's always been a bear, he just happened to be in the right position when everything crashed, whereas the bulls kind of started after the crash. Yeah. Well, the Bulls, here's the thing about the Bulls. The Bulls recovered a lot of money. The only way the Bulls made more money is if they weren't 100% allocated going into it. Yeah, so, I mean, if he was already short, then, you know, he's going to make a lot of money right there because he would have got out of, of all his positions at the bottom right there. The Bulls, you know, they're going to make a lot of money too because everything they lost, they probably would have got – back if they you know didn't freak yeah, they out got it back plus like 12 plus a lot no but way they, more than that way 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 more than that the market's up like 15 16 percent by itself that's the why or it was the other day at the all-time highs i don't know it's um, like super super up it's over 12 percent oh well i mean my my 401k by itself which is you know a 401k like a super safe I'm up 16 and a half percent in my 401k. Wow. And I, I mean, that's just basically, you know, the, whatever the fidelity fund is for my age um, group, basically. And it's up 16. I didn't realize we were that much up. I, I watch it too much intraday and don't 
realize how much. I can tell you what we're up right now, or Lisa, or Lisa kind of a number. I think the beginning of the year we were around 323. It's at 360, right at 368 right now, but we were at like 370 the other day, so I'll do 370. Let's see. My computer's running. That's that's four, 370 would be 14 and a half percent if, if, on the SPY, if you only bought SPY, you'd be up 14 and a half percent. Yeah, so. So if you bought other stuff, you know, if you get some of these, you know, if you hit some of these companies like Square and Tesla and all, Penn and some of these others, you could be up a super duper duper amount percent wise. If you even hit a couple of those, and there's tons of them. But anyhow, we might as well get into the, the regular scheduled program for today, which is John has made a presentation uh, for Stock Jargon with John. He will be teaching us about bonds, which is what I said everyone should learn more about, even if you don't plan on trading them. Because, you know, even myself, I don't know too much about them, but I will, I mean, I can say that, you know, it's a lot of people, even if they don't trade them just as an investor, they keep, you know, a little... Uh, percentage of bonds in their profile because it's basically a hedge against like um, inflation and normally if the market crashes if you are long bonds and some stuff you um, you can kind of hedge yourself a little bit so it's important to, um, to know about and then John's going to teach us what he knows here and then if you want to know a little more not really from like an entry level but if you want some actual commentary of like through history you know when to get bonds, when bonds were better than stocks, when stocks were better than bonds. I mean, you can just read one of the most popular books on investing of all time, and that's The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. If you read that, there's going to be tons about bonds in there. So if you don't know anything about bonds, then here's a little intro for when you do read the, that book. You may understand a little better. But go ahead, John. First, get us to full screen. Um, and if you're listening to this little podcast, um, John is going to explain everything out loud, so you're not going to miss anything, but whatever kind of graphics and backgrounds he has. But if you do want to check out the slideshow, which it's only a three-slide um, three slideshow because he's mostly just going to explain it, um, you can always watch the podcast live on the Pivotal Trading YouTube channel, and um, this will be here with the slideshow, so feel free to check that out even if um, you normally listen to us as a podcast. But um, go ahead, John. You have well, my computer's what not allowing me to go full screen for whatever reason. Why? You can't hit slideshow? I, I hit the button and it didn't do anything. Well, hit, hit slideshow at the top. I don't even see that. It's inside animations, review. Click that and then click from beginning. Well, there we go. And then you may be able to even get the note screen off, but I don't, I don't really know about that. But anyhow, you can go ahead on what you got. We won't go okay. I, I think everybody can see it if they're watching on YouTube. It's probably fine. Um, uh, shoot, it. Uh, let's just go over it like this because I got this other screen up and it's like messing with it or something. Um, Minimize the other screen. No, you're fine. Go over like this. Can you still see the presentation? Yeah, I can see the presentation. Okay. All right. So, um, 
on. I'm sorry. Hang on. My computer's being dead slow. Okay, so yeah, so we're just going to talk about bonds um, over here to the right. Uh, this is a uh, savings bond. Um, so although this discussion isn't going to primarily be about savings bonds, we'll just mention it briefly here. Um, this isn't like a traded bond as people talk about bonds, but it is an investment type. Um, so savings bonds, they don't have a yield. Um, they're a they're called a zero um, a zero coupon bond. Um, so what that means is it's a bond that you purchase at a discount that has no interest basically or they, they don't pay you any um, coupon either every quarter or every month or every year. they just um, you buy them at a discount. So, it's basically you're just buying government debt and the government um, guarantees that they'll pay you back at a later time. And the one like we have up here, the series EE bond, they're sold at half value and they mature in, in like 20 years. So say if you have a $100 uh, bond like is here on the screen, um, then you would buy this for $50. And then in like 20 years, it'd be worth a hundred bucks. Yeah, and um, you know, you may have heard like your grandparents. I, I know I used to, like my grandparents say they, you know, have a bond put back for me, like when you're a child or whatever. And it's kind of like that, you know, you just buy it now for half price. And then, you know, years from now, it'll be mature and equal for full value. But for the regular people listening, you know, just in regular people terms, like John said, you're basically giving the government a loan. You're basically buying their debt and then they're, so basically the government's in debt, you're giving them money to pay their debt payments and then later they agree that they'll pay you back. So they're getting a loan from you to buy um, their debt basically, which is, um, you know, it's exactly like it sounds. Um, it makes almost no sense. And that's basically what you would get from the government. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, they use the money for different things, but it keeps them from having to pay you, you know, every month or every quarter or every year, and they'll just pay you in 20 years when your dollars aren't worth as much. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, we've been looking at the dollar chart go down. But anyway, um, yeah, so this would be like a 5% return. If you, you know, paid $50 for this in 20 years, it's worth $100. I think that's like a 5% return or so. Um, cause you're getting, you're getting a hundred percent return on your $50, which makes it a hundred. And then that's spread out for, um, 20 years. So 10 years, um, you would, well, that might be more than that. I don't know. I can't do math, but anyways, it's a decent return and it's pretty much guaranteed. And, uh, the only Thing that if it isn't guaranteed, well, our dollar isn't worth anything anyway, so it doesn't even matter. So as long as the dollar's worth something, these bonds will be worth something. Now, if they'll outpace inflation, that's a different, you know, different discussion or, you know, it depends on how you feel about inflation and the purchasing power and how much you're going to return. But it is a guaranteed return as far as guarantees go. Um, it's the safest return. The 2.5% return. 2 2.5%. So I didn't have it again. I was thinking on 10 years, but this would be like 20 years. So 
to be a 2.5% return. It's guaranteed. It's better than you would get in a bank, but you're also tying up money for 20 years. So is it worth 2.5% to tie it for 20 years? Probably not. But maybe depending on, you know, what the market's going to do in 20 years. Well, and if you have inflation, though, then you might be better off just buying real estate or buying something with them. Maybe. But uh, so we'll go to the next slide here. Um, so the second type of bond is, um, uh, hang on, we got to, hang on just a second. See. What are you trying to do? Okay, I think I think we're good. So the first bond was issued by the government. Um, we're going to talk about a, a, a similar bond, but with a company. And then we're going to talk about the bonds that most people are talking about when they're talking about buying bonds in their portfolio. But these are still bonds that we need to kind of cover. So on the one hand, you have stock that's issued by a company, and that basically gives you ownership. There's no return guaranteed as far as um, future dividends or the your principal being returned. Um, and if the stock has dividends, that would be like you know like the savings. Like if you buy a bond, a savings bond, and you can buy. Um, you know, different bonds from the government. We'll talk about that in a minute that does uh, give you interest. Uh, but if you own a stock, their interest would be actually dividends. It's not really interest, but that's the alternative to owning a, a, like a savings bond or a, a bond from a company is that you would get any dividends if the company pays dividends. Yeah, dividends are just like you know, like a stock, like it says right here on the screen, you know, if you own a stock, you own that portion of the company. A dividend is basically what the company is giving you. It's shareholders for yeah. its profits. Yeah, so like if it makes $100 in profit, which is obviously not a realistic number, and it pays a 10% dividend, then you would get $10, which yeah, if they're, none of yeah. us like that. But and they make a lot more profit, but basically you own part of the company, so you're entitled to part of the profit. Yeah, and not all companies give dividends, but some no, do. A lot and of them then, do. Yeah, and then also uh, you would have, you know, in some cases you have uh, voting rights with stocks, um, and depending on how many shares you have, depends on, you know, how much pull you have. On the other side is you can get, uh, corporate bonds from companies. So in this example, we have um, Apple stock and we have Apple corporate bonds. Now Apple's bonds, um, if anything ever happens to Apple and they have to liquidate, the debt is paid off first. So if you're a shareholder, you actually have a disadvantage and even though you're owner of the company, you're paid last. So all the bills have to be paid before the debt is paid. Yeah, and if you're new, if you're a new investor or you've been paying attention at all this year, you would hurt you would definitely have heard people talk about this when um, the whole Hertz thing came up. Because Hertz was bank, bankrupt and dropping in price. Well, they started going up. You know, I, I, I don't know what I guess they had some news where CarMax and some other company may buy part of their fleet. So a bunch of people started buying the stock thinking it was going to go up, but really 
they were buying part of their fleet so Hertz can pay their debts off, not because they were now fine. They were still bankrupt, but they were basically selling off their assets to pay their debts. So the shareholders were missing out and everyone, you know, could see how that has turned out at this point. But yeah, that's kind of a good example of, you know, paying debt first was um, the Hertz situation. Yeah, so the the debt holders, and as we were talking about with the savings bond, you're you know when you're buying the government's debt, it's same thing as you're uh, loaning money to Apple for them to do whatever they want to with, but your return is guaranteed in the sense of if they're not if nothing happens to the company, if the company doesn't go bust, um, you know, or become insolvent or something, your your um re, your returns guaranteed with whatever bond that they're issuing. And you do have, um, you know, that you are um, more important. We're not more important, but you are put ahead of the stock owners as far as who gets paid, like we were talking there. So, um, so they, those are the, the the two bonds that we're, you know, kind of covering as far as just like in general, you know, just knowing that there's there's Apple stock, there's Apple bonds, and there's different relationships and benefits to both. And there's also savings bonds, which is, you know, uh, you tie up your money for a long time, but you get um, a guaranteed return in a, in a sense. The, the third bond, and that's, or the third slide here that we're going to cover is what most of you are going to be asking about. Now you Before have we get to this, let me add one more. So another bond that I think a lot of people may have heard of outside of the financial space. So if you're new to the financial space, some of these may be new, but even if you're kind of outside the financial space, I think one of the bonds that some people may have heard of is surety bonds, which is, uh, you know, in construction a lot, that's basically say a company wins like a contract to do a job for like, um, say the state, say whoever's paving the road, they won the contract to do the job. They normally have to provide the state with a surety bond, which basically guarantees that they will come and do it, basically, and that their work will be good. And if it's not, then um, that surety bond gets cashed in by whoever you know it's paid to, and then that can be used to actually get the job done. So it happens a lot in construction, but I think that's one even in other places, not just construction, that comes up a lot of surety bonds. Yeah, and um, so with trading on the market, so you have treasury bills, also called T-bills, you have uh, treasury notes, you have uh, treasury bonds. So treasury bills are usually within a year, um, and treasury notes is anything under 10 years. And above 10 years is basically a bond. And they all have, you know, like features. Um, the biggest difference is their uh, time horizon. Um, and you can, you know, you can get, um, you know, you get a lower return for a shorter amount of time because you're not willing to, um, you're not willing to tie your money up as long. Um, so, you know, you don't get as much interest with them. Um, but th th these are the, the terms that trick, you know, trip me up as far as like, you know, you hear all these treasury this, treasury that, bonds, notes, bills. And so you, you get a little tripped up and because they're so different names, but really they have a lot of um, the same feature, just different time, time horizons. 
And somebody may even call a treasury note a bond and be talking about the same thing. So yeah, like the 10 year, um, the 10 year bond uh, could almost be considered um, a note as well. Uh, it's kind of right there at that point of, you know, sometimes it's, it's considered, uh, you know, some people call it both just because it's right there in that middle space where under 10 is this and over 10 is this. So, so people can call it different things. I, I think there is a technical note, I mean, a technical term for it. Um, but, where, you know, that's kind of the general stance. Where did this um, picture come from? This came from, uh, it should be tagged here. Oh, it yeah. came from the treasurydirect.gov. Yeah, we couldn't see it on the screen, so just yeah. made sure we shout that out. We don't want to get sued by the government and then owe them bonds. <laughs> yeah, there, the other ones I made, but this slide I didn't here. But yeah, it's from it's from the government's uh, site there. Um, so the other thing is when you're talking about bonds is they have yields and interest payments and so this is a the the trickiest part to think about so if you have an interest rate you know whatever the interest rate is at the time one percent yes say say one percent so if interest rates start to fall, then the bond price goes up. And because these are fixed rate, they're, they're like, um, they're not, well, they trade on the market, but at the same time, like- They're fixed, um, I, I got you, they're, they're fixed dollar amounts. Like we looked at that first bond, it's $100. It's always $100. So if interest rates, go down bonds have to go up because now it you know in that same 20 years it still has to reach 100. So well yes so, well i mean it's not necessarily a fixed price like the price of the bond act like say you're talking about bonds the price of the bond will actually increase in price because you had to pay more for it because if interest rates go down then the bonds become more attractive because they have a higher yield and so as the more demand goes for the bond, because, you know, people, when interest rates go down, people chase yield. So they'll go to the bonds uh, to get that yield. So as the demand for the bond goes up, um, the price of the bond goes up and the yield lowers because the more you, because the yield's kind of fixed, but the more you pay for the bond, the less you're actually getting as okay, far so as perceived Yeah, so the, the less return, basically. Yeah. So, so as interest rates go down and people go to buy bonds as protection, the, the, inter, the yield goes down. And so if interest rates rise, then the bonds become less attractive because they can get that rate of return somewhere else um, in the short term, say. And so then the bonds go down in price and yields uh, go up in price. Yeah, it makes sense. And you know, we talked about it last show, and I'm sure John will talk about it again um, here. Kind of the weird situation we are in right now, like John mentioned, you know, we're in a bull, we're in a bull market, so you can go elsewhere besides bonds and get a higher return, but then also bonds are kind of at 
highs as well. So, you know, it's kind of we're at both right now, which doesn't normally happen. Yeah, we have low interest rates. So if low interest rates and there's more demand for the bonds, so bonds are at all-time highs practically. I mean, we're close to it. And, and I mean, it's come off a little bit. But bonds are at all-time highs, basically. Gold is pretty close to all-time highs. Um, stock markets are at all-time highs. Um, you know, we're, we're very extended in, in the, in the you know, bull direction. And we, we, if you listen to the last show, you've already heard this, but we explained this last time. The reason this is, is the stock market actually is at all-time highs. The bond situation is kind of, it is at all-time highs, but the government is manually holding the interest rates where they are at. So it's like technically the interest rates would be at, you know, much higher, but they're not because the government is forcing them to be where they're at. So it's kind of a fake, you know, and, area. And how they do that is the Federal Reserve goes in and purchase, purchases the government's um, debt, which, you know, they purchase the bonds. So as they purchase the bonds, they create more demand for the bonds than there naturally is. And so that drives the bonds higher and the yields lower. And that's how they control the, what they call the yield curve. So they'll go in and they'll buy a bunch of bonds to, to you know, make the demand for those bonds higher. And so it drives the uh, interest rates down artificially with uh, Jerome Powell's money printer. Yeah, that's where we're at right now. And that's is where Jerome Powell said we will remain until the end of 2021. So now, so something now that's where we're going to be at. Yeah, the only thing that could really um, cause a mass disruption to that is if people start liquidating. So what, what we've seen in March was when the when the stock market, people are like levered into the stock market. So when things crash down like they, they did in March, what happens is people will liquidate things that have nothing to do with the stock market because of margin calls and because they need to liquidate to cover uh, cost or because either they want to get into equities as they're going down. Um, so what we've seen in March is there was a lot of liquidation and selling in gold and silver and bonds. Everything was down at, at some point. Like the correlations pretty much went to one. And, you know, there's a little bit of speculation to why that was, but it was mainly in, in my thoughts is because people were liquidating because these hedge funds are running so much leverage um, that they had to sell their other books, even though they weren't stock, because they had to cover what they were losing on stocks because things were falling apart. Well, this is a good lead in here um, as well. John mentioned hedge funds, but also other, you know, investment funds like 401ks and that sort of thing. When you sign up for these plans, so like my 401k, it's a, you know, it's a fidelity plan. It's a, I don't pick that. I'm not picking individual stocks to go in it. I have a plan that they have built and it's built of, you know, so much percentage in each thing. So there's so many percentages in U.S. equities. There's so many percentages in bonds. There's percentages in international equities. And it, it has to remain within a certain, you know, range. So every quarter they have to rebalance depending on where they're at. So if you hear someone say, you know, towards the end of a quarter that, you know, hedge funds or something, they have to rebalance. This is something to pay attention to because what was happening, especially at the end of, I think, you know, quarter two going into quarter three, the rebalance was kind of a big deal 
because the stock market had went up so much that that put all of these funds, their equity percentage way, way, way high. So when they rebalanced, they basically had to sell off some of their equities in order to buy more bonds so they meet the percentages that they were required to within that fund. So it's important to pay attention to stuff like that because they were really high on the stock market when rebalancing happens and these big funds have to sell equities where we should see a day or two of drops in the market because there's so much selling and vice versa, I guess, if it was way down and they had to buy more equities. But that's basically just buy, and it's not a day-to-day -day thing. Like I said, I'm pretty sure it's like once a quarter. Some funds may have their own thing and maybe once a year or whatever. So it's important to pay attention where we're at um, market-wise because, you know, if you go up, that means the percent you own in stocks is higher. So that's one reason why, you know, things can change. And something else is the 10-year is a bond, just, just to clarify. Yeah. Uh, we kind of went back and forth on that. I um, need to clarify that, but anyway. And that, that's pretty much an overview of bonds, but, um, you know, some may, like John said, they're pretty much guaranteed returns. So if you ask why people trade them, it's, it's that. They're pretty much a guaranteed return, whereas stocks are not. So I mentioned hedging against your stock position. If you, let's say you have 100% of your portfolio, let's say you have like 70% in equities, 20% in bonds, 10% in like commodities, like gold and stuff. For one, you're diversified if your equities are diversified, but, but also you have 20% in bonds that are kind of a guaranteed return that say if the market starts crashing, yeah, you're not going to make as much from your bonds as you would have those stocks, but you would, you will make something from them. So basically it helps, you know, kind of balance out your losses if it goes that direction. Now hey, we talk. Yeah. We talk about um, it's important to have a diversified portfolio, not only with you know different things like real estate, equities, bonds, commodities. It's and just keep in mind, it's also important to have diversified in your stock. Don't don't just have all you know technology stocks or all whatever because then you're not diversified. Um, but it's important that to have that. And the one thing I want to point out here, and I. I don't know if we ever talked about this on the podcast, John, but I think me and John talked about this before, or maybe I talked about it in, you know, a different interview. The problem that people get, especially when they're starting out with um, the diversification is people don't like seeing red in their portfolios. And when you're actually diversified, you're probably going to have stuff that's red at all times. So if you say you got 70% equities, 20% bonds, 10% commodities, if your equities are way up, your bonds may be down, but your portfolio as a whole is going to be in good shape. And that's the point of diversification is that, you know, no matter what the condition of the market is, as a whole, you're still moving forward, not backwards. And I think the problem that people get into when they're starting out is they don't like seeing that red. So they're quick to cut stuff they're using as hedges when the other ones are doing well. And then uh, as soon as they cut them, they get something happens and then they get killed and there's nothing there to, to kind of cover those losses. Yeah, um, and something, um, let's see, there's something I was wanting to mention here with that. Um, and I'm going blank, shoot. Oh, um, you would have made a ton of money um, in bonds 
when the interest rate was still like 2.25%. When the interest rate started um, diving down, and that would have been a perfect time to have the small exchange um, product, but it wasn't around then. But um, you could have made a ton of money with, uh, you know, very little risk because we knew, you know, things were going to, you know, go that direction and you could have made a ton of money. Um, you know, with the futures, you know, that you have a lot of leverage on the bonds. So if you trade bonds and you want a little bit more movement, uh, you can make a ton of money in bond futures. That kind of leads us into, you know, we've talked about kind of about bonds, but, you know, how do you trade them? I think the main thing for a while that if you talk to someone said they're trading bonds, they're probably talking about TLT, which is the ticker. It's kind of like a stock. You can just buy it. So if you're new to bonds, you can just buy TLT like a stock and that's, that's you buying into bonds. Then like John mentioned, the futures, and before, I've never really looked at, of course, people own TLT as a hedge and that sort of thing. But as far as trading goes, for the new investor, I don't, I didn't think there was that many opportunities. But as of like last week, the small exchange now has their 10-year bond um, small futures contract, which we discussed last time. But since it's a new show, we're talking about bonds. I'll let John talk about that again. But this, this really provides opportunity for, you know, Younger investors, people who are building up their profile to actually, you know, dive into bonds, trade some bonds. And even if you don't know much about bonds, I think John said last time these contracts are only around like 150 bucks or so. So it's like it's cheap enough that you can kind of dive in and see what happens and kind of use that to learn, you know, how things are going to be. And like John said, it's, it's important to keep in mind that, you know, if you're you, the interest rates and the bonds are moving opposite directions. So you got to make sure you know which one you want to um, trade because the 10 year um, futures, the small futures contract isn't actually bonds, it's the interest rates, right? Yeah, so yeah, there, theirs is a little different. Um, the reason they've done it different is because when you pull up the 10 year, uh, treasury bond it's usually and let's see let me see if I can uh, find that as well because this is a good example is we'll go to six months we'll go to a year um, when you go to trade let me see if I can pull it up here shoot I think well first let's look at this and then I'll show you the other thing so the small exchange, a small 10-year U.S. Treasury yield is the yield part of it, not the, the bond. Um, so you're basically trading the yield. So if you think bonds are going to go up, then that means you think the yield is going down because remember that inverse, it's like a... a um, what is this thing's called? A teeter-totter? Sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's the West Virginia slang for it, probably. But anyway. said inverse, which was the correct word, so I'm not sure. Okay, so anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, so as bonds go higher, yields go lower. As yields go um, higher, bonds go lower. But anyways, if you come in here in February before the Federal Reserve dropped interest rates and you would have short 
if you were to have been short the yield because you know they dropped the interest rate so you'd have to short this which would be the equivalent of being long bonds or the 10-year bond um, so you could have made a ton of money in this product with only 150 dollars um, this thing went from 16 to nine so um, you know great opportunity in this product you can see it, it's had some movement back and forth um, so yeah, I mean, just great opportunity. I think the other one is Z. It's right there, um, Z. Yeah, ZN. Oh. Um, it doesn't, the problem is it doesn't have, these are future contracts. The other one was actually the index for the small exchange. This is the actual um, future contract. So it doesn't go back. It only goes back to October because it's this futures contract. So it can't really see back that far but anyways um let's see if i can go back to the, the other put on a scale for the um, the listeners this futures contract we said the other one was about 150 worth of capital needed how much is the futures contract so yeah so the small exchanges is about 150 the um the big boy or the zn is a i think it's about uh 1300 yeah, so there's a big difference. You know, you it, or it might be closer to 15. It's about 10 times the size of the of the small exchange as far as capital you have to put up. Yeah, something like that. You know, if you know nothing about bonds, you know, it's a lot harder to play, you know, $1,500 on the line to use as a learning tool. 150 you can actually try to use it to, like, play with it, you know, because you can get in and out. Yeah, here it is. So um, it's fifteen hundred dollars and forty cents for the um, the big contract, but now the small exchanges is a hundred eighty one right now. It kind of fluctuates, but yeah. So it's a good opportunity for new investors. And what's the ticker for that? It's like S ten Y or something. That's correct. Backslash S ten Y. The only difference is, is you could do um, credit call spreads or put spreads or something like that in the bigger product and not take up too much buying power. But the small exchange doesn't have options on their products yet. Um, but you can, you can trade options on these bond futures as well. So I assume they'll have options at some point as soon as they yeah they put their plan it just hasn't came through yet yeah i'm sure it's just some paperwork you gotta get approved or something like that because tasty works is pretty much they are do nothing but options so <laughs> i assume their products they will want to have options for yeah for sure but um last thing i have on bonds i guess is um you know we talking about hedging Depends on who you ask or depend on how much you, um, you know, you want at one time. And it's kind of a fluctuating thing depending on what the market is. So if the market's way up and equities are good, then you want your money to be in equity. So that's where you get the best return. If the market's bad, you may want more in bonds. So you kind of got to read and, you know, figure that out, do some research and stuff. On, on that point to see, you know, kind of how you fit in there. Like I said, I mentioned earlier, the Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham kind of talks a lot about bonds and, you know, especially through history because they did multiple segments of the book. So he, 
there's tons of charts in the book and commentary on, you know, in 1940, it was better to have this than that. And 19 and changed into 1960. And so it's, it's a pretty good book. I feel like as far as like, um, a, buying bonds as an investment in your portfolio can come by. That's the, that's my best advice on that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think trading, you know, try to get the most liquid things to trade. And, and I'm, then, not, I'm not talking about, yeah, when I said that, I'm not actually, I'm not talking about trading. I'm just talking about the have in your portfolio. Yeah, I know. I, I'm just, I'm just mentioning. From yeah, I know. So, from yeah, from you saying that, I'm, I wanted to make sure I clarified that for the listeners. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, as far as like investing or trading, uh, for me, you know, more trading than long term investing, but it's important to find multiple things in the market that's very liquid that you can trade and that you can also be strategic with and diversify your portfolio completely. That way, you're not relying on one good idea or one one specific thing you know try to diversify as much as you can and then you know bring in some capital efficiency and try to improve your probabilities with that and um you know these can be great instruments to trade and definitely check out um the ones that we mentioned today john you're not gonna like this when we started the show the market was up and after hours about 15 cents we're now down 50 cents so that's a 65 cent swing since we started the show in SPY. It's not good for, for your positions. <laughs> Let me see. But what is good for my position, I put on an earnings trade for um, CarMax tomorrow, a bullish earnings trade, a really bullish earnings trade. I got in, you know, around $98 or so. It's went all the way up to, you know, 100 right at the close of upper 99 to 100 and now we're up to almost 101 in after hours so it's looking good again it's an earnings trade so you never know until they release the um, results but the reason I got in on a bullish standpoint was solely because I looked at their Q3 earnings and the expected for CarMax for Q3 was like 1.13 EPS and they ended up having like a 1.79 well the earnings for tomorrow morning the expected is also 1.14. So basically identical expected earnings from the Q3 and they smashed the Q3 earnings last time. So since they smashed the same number last time, I figured I'd take a chance to see if they could do the same thing. If they hit the same number as they did in Q3, I'm gonna make a lot of money tomorrow, John. Cause I was up, I was up um, like 70 bucks on the trade today. Like I put in this earnings trade I don't know, maybe like 1 p.m. or something. I was up seven. I was up enough that I almost closed the trade because I was. I just already, you know, had made enough. It's like, is it worth the risk? But it's actually went up about another 50 cents in after hours. So we're almost at 101. So we're almost three dollars up from where I got in. Dang. So, yeah, and I made a trade on Uber today. I didn't plan on selling. But when the market tanked this morning, I guess everything tanked. Uber hasn't been below 50 in a while. I bought a call in Uber right at the money. And by like noon, I was already up over a hundred bucks. I wouldn't hand close that bad boy out. That's a good, that's a good it went, call. Yeah, it went up to 52. I bought it at, it was in like 49.70 or something. It went all the way up to 52. Yeah, last night there was a nasty sell-off in the futures. And I was like, man, this is, I mean, we uh, I think we opened, I don't know what it got to, but it was like 
1.75% yeah. down on s and I remember someone on Twitter, he posts a picture of the futures every day, and he always put some comment, and his yesterday was like, what the? <laughs> and it was like 1.7 down last night. But the guy, the guy lives in Thailand, so, you know, he's looking at it. It's like daytime. It's like nighttime here. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's – I mean, I'm looking at this chart over here. It's like this straight down. From last – yesterday. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I don't – it's – um, it was a, you know, buy the rumor, sell the news. They said they were going to pass the stimulus last night, so they kind of just sold off with them. So they passed it, so I guess people was, like, taking their profits, you know, because it's, it's already happened. Because today, today they kind of finally passed that stimulus after about three years and nine months of negotiating, and um, you know, really no effect at that point. But we could be getting six hundred more dollars. And I'm not saying I'm for it, but I'm saying if it's going to happen anyhow, go ahead and give me my money as well. I mean, right? right? I mean, so you you hear people talk about like the money print and we don't need any more handouts, which probably is true. But also, you know, as a one person, you're not making the poll, you're not making the decisions anyhow. So I'm not going to go to the IRS and be like, nah, I'm good. I don't want it. I mean, if they're already. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to give it out, you might as well yeah, take it. Yeah, they're already handed out. Give me mine too. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's kind of how, how it is. I mean, I'll do what I've done with the last one. Put in the pump account. Well, it ain't a pump account no more. What's this? What's it? You gonna rename it? Uh, you know, I haven't traded in there because once we started doing pivotal, um, you know, I kind of stopped trading it because that was what I was doing on my other site. But now uh, we're doing pivotal. I haven't even looked at it. I might take it out and just put it in my regular account. Yeah, you should do that. And then we're still doing that at the beginning of the year. We're going to start with like real low amount of money and see if we can build it over the year, right? And see what we Yeah, get. so since we're doing that, you know, I don't really need the pump account anymore. Yeah, so we might be able to use some of the pump money to get us started in there. So we ain't got to sell um, one lots of $1 wide spreads for <laughs> four months to, to get anywhere. <laughs> yeah, we'd be better off just purchasing like a triple average GTF and just letting it ride. Are you going to set that up or something? Because I'm assuming it I've never watched switch over to Tasty Works. It took a good bit before they approved to even put money in it. So I don't. Yeah, I'll set it up. I, um, we'll be ready to go at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Yep. So um, definitely be looking out for that. Um, we will not be doing a show Thursday since it is Christmas Eve. Probably won't be doing a show Sunday either. I got to go to my mom's for Christmas, but we'll probably do one Monday and it'll be out the following Tuesday. So a week from when this one comes out, we'll probably have another one. So um, everyone have a happy holidays. And if you didn't already know, the market closes early on Wednesday, right? Okay. Yeah, futures Thursday. are slamming down. I got to go. Yeah, the, the market closes early on um, Thursday, and then I think next week the market closes early on, like, Friday. So, But, um, yeah, we're going to go ahead and jump off here so John does, doesn't lose too much money. He can try to salvage it. But, um, yeah, if you're not following us yet, follow us on Twitter at Swinging It. Be sure to check out our last episode. It was a really good interview. 
And um, yeah, definitely follow us, do your homework, share with five friends, and we'll see y'all next week. So John, play the music. Go Hokies. <laughs>